body of phantoms and monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate and discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Phantoms and Monsters and the Phantoms and Monsters 14 research team. So thanks for joining me. Uh, the channel is made possible by you clicking on the subscribe and like button and by you sharing our programming. Super chat and super thanks donations are appreciated. You can click the uh, dollar icon uh, located below the chat box and the buy me a coffee link is also shown below so thanks for your consideration now i want to welcome all new members to the channel as well as first timers to the chat if you are listening to me for the first time please like subscribe to the channel now if you're in the chat and you have a question please use all caps and I'll try to get to each and every one of them after the presentation. And um, I'll let you know when I'm on the last account so you can start posting your questions up on the chat. So tonight, according to First Nations legends, the Thunderbird is said to have a wingspan the length of two canoes with the ability to deafen people with the sound of its flapping wings. Well, in March 2010, JC, the late J.C. Johnson of Crypto Four Corners contacted me about an incident where uh, 24 sheep were mutilated at a farm near Hogback, New Mexico, on the Diné Navajo Reservation. Now, the livestock owner explained that there were large talon marks, but very little blood and no evisceration. The uh, prints on the ground were only seen in the corral not anywhere else on the farm. Was this an attack by a large flying predator? Why were the carcasses still left intact? Now, JC mentioned to uh, that a large cryptid bird, a pterosaur, may have been responsible for this act. And that theory is not as far-fetched as it may initially sound. Uh, for many generations, people in New Mexico and parts of Texas say that they've seen birds so big that they seem prehistoric. There is convincing anecdotal evidence that many of these legendary winged creatures are connected to modern sightings. Now, I believe that many of these winged cryptids are corporeal beings that can manifest in our plane of existence. Now, their point of origin and means of conveyance is speculative, but this is the reason why we research and investigate this phenomena, and the search continues. So listen to the reports, form your conclusions about what these monstrous birds are. And if you have questions, feel free to post them in the live chat. So here we go. First account was written to me, sir. This is a written statement that you requested after our telephone conversation. 
So on May, excuse me, on Monday, December 15th at 6.45 p.m., and it was dark, I was traveling on Airport Road near the New Kent County Airport, and that's in Virginia. This section of road went by the New Kent Trash Collection Center. The road is bordered by woods on both sides. Now, as I approached this location, I noticed something large and dark on the road very near the trash collection lot. I hit my brakes and came within 50 feet of what appeared to be a huge bird. Now, as I told you on the telephone, when I say huge, I mean something of unbelievable size. First, it had the overall shape of an eagle. It had talons that were lighter in color. It also had a beak that seemed too large and long for its face. The overall color was dark, I'd say black. The height was at least eight feet, probably more as it bobbed up and down. It may have been eating something when I approached it. Now its head moved toward the direction of my car and made a grunting sound. It turned away from me and the long tail with feathers swung around in my direction. The wings, which extended across the road, unfurled as it lifted off the surface. The wings were massive. But like I said, it reached past the width of the road. I told you 25 foot on the telephone. I still believe that's a correct estimate. Now, I searched monster birds and found your telephone number and email. I looked at different images of eagles and hawks online, but there was nothing that closely resembled this bird. So thanks for talking to me. So when I received this call and, and the, the gentleman's initials, JD, and then I requested he write a report and forward it to me. Now, after I finished talking to JD, I went to Google to find the location. I then realized that the location was within a few miles of a large bird sighting in May of 2013. Uh, the descriptions were different in more, most respects, but both were birds of enormous size. The entire area seems to have a lot of wetlands and swamp. Now, those familiar with Virginia, it's in the uh, southern, uh, it was in the southeast section, and there's a, the Great Dismal Swamps are very nearby there. Um, during our phone conversation, JD mentioned that the bird had something in its talons. He said he got a brief look at it as it started to fly away, but mentioned that legs were dangling from one side. He didn't say human and didn't want to include that in the written report. I'm only mentioning it since it was in his original statement. Now I brought up the subject pterosaurs to JD, but he said it had feathers. Uh, could this have been a Thunderbird? I was somewhat taken aback by the size dimensions, eight foot high and a wingspan of 25 feet. If that's the case, this is one of the largest Thunderbird-type sightings that I've ever received. Now, another account, an Ecuadorian woman and her child are saved by an unknown winged being when their vehicle starts to careen over a road embankment and down a cliff. Now, this is what I received. I have a girlfriend who careened off the road. She was driving along in a van. She had a couple of her kids with her, and she just lost control on one of these roads up in the central interior of Ecuador. She was going over a large embankment. It was a cliff, you know, a serious situation. From out of nowhere, this is the story she told me. 
It was her own experience, and she's a real straight shooter. These giant wings appeared from out of nowhere just as she was going over the steep embankment or cliff with her two kids. And these uh, giant wings just covered a van from, front, from the front and stopped her just as she was heading off to face her doom. Things would not have worked out too well for her and her family. Have you ever heard of a Thunderbird bean? God only knows what, arriving out of nowhere and saving people? A, a sort of benevolent entity or force, but something helpful. She's confused by what happened. She's grateful, but fears that it may be an entity that she will encounter again. Her kids don't recall what happened, which may have been a blessing. Now, this next account, three Canadian friends are standing on a balcony at night when they observe a massive bird on top of a willow tree. Because of the immense size, the witness wonders if it was a thunderbird. And this is what I received. Hi, I live in Canada in the province of Ontario in the city of uh, Mississauga. The incident took place mid-December 2011 around 2.30 a.m. And I was shape it was shaping up to be a very green Christmas as there wasn't any snow on the ground at that time. My brother, a close friend, and I were on my balcony as I lived in the upper uh, mid-upper floor of an apartment building. Now, as we were standing there, I see this dark black silhouette moving on top of the willow tree, which is on the building property. Now, as I see this silhouette fluttering on the top crown canopy of the willow, I grab my brother's and friend's attention, asking them if they can make out what I'm seeing. I first thought it was a big black tarp being animated by the wind flow. Once all three of us locked into what we were seeing, the wings and neck and the structure of the bird became quite apparent. This thing seemed very restless as it kept pacing around the top canopy of the willow. Now, during this time, cell phones had poor night support cameras, as I'm sure many of you might remember. Trying to take videos at night with an iPhone G, 3GS or a BlackBerry Bold or LG and other early Androids, especially if it zoomed in, you were left a horrible grainy rubbish. We tried to capture it on camera from my balcony, which yielded the previously mentioned results. Now, all three of us ran down to the ground floor. The mere presence of this animal keeps you, your, fro your soul frozen. It's like you can't fathom something like this being thrown at you visually. It was that moment that led me to discover what a natural high is on this world. My brother and his friend and our friend made it about six foot away from the door that leads out of the building. These guys weren't mentally prepared for something like this as they both tripped over each other while keeping their eyes glued to it. This animal is quite frightening, especially when you must come to terms with the reality you now share with it, knowing it's living and breathing as you are. I chose to proceed closer to the tree until I got within five foot from it. I couldn't approach any closer as it shrieked to sound so intimidating and loud. It sounded like an eagle on steroids, but much deeper and sharper in terms of pitch. I distinctively remember it going into a crouch position with its tail up and its head charging downwards with its wings halfway open and curled upwards. This bird is all black with some red feathering near the face. I never felt that specific feeling of fear before. 
I ran back toward my brother and friend, and the bird continued to get more restless and aggressive. It flapped its wings and hopped to the next building, which is about four stories high, while the willow is about seven stories, and the distance between both places is less than 15 feet. It paced around there agitated, then flew off again and disappeared. The wingspan was 20 feet easily. It was about 8 to 10 foot tall. I was lucky enough to share it with two others. We told a few of our friends, and surprisingly, they believed us. I became obsessed with finding answers. I even thought about calling the avian people who oversee the birds and wildlife at the zoo, but I didn't want them to think we were crazy or lying. I have wondered since that night if it was an actual Thunderbird. Whatever it was, I'll never get the experience. Now, a couple is fishing on Pike Lake in Wisconsin when a sudden heavy storm comes through. After the storm clears, the couple encounters a huge bird on the lake. Was this a Thunderbird? The following account was forwarded to me, and uh, I later followed up with the witness. Now, on the Independence Day holiday, my family had a big bash that year. My aunt and her uh, husband even showed up. They shared with me a fascinating story. About 10 or so years ago, they were fishing on a small lake called Pike Lake in Wisconsin. They were on a rowboat when a heavy storm shell moved in. They said it was supposed to stay north of them, but it shifted and began to move over the lake. The first thing they noticed was the temperature drop by what felt like 30 degrees. Soon after, all the birds flew out in a massive swarm all at once. That's when they knew to get the heck off the lake. They got eerily silent, calm before the storm, and they started to row in towards shore. Soon the wind picked up, and I was told the water was super choppy, but it was pitch black. The caps were almost crystal-like. Tornado sirens started to ring out and they're struggling against the waves to get back to shore. Luckily, the owner of the resort they were staying at happened to be nearby to help pull them to safety. The sky grew green and the tornado touched down about five miles east of them. Now, once it cleared up, they went back out onto the lake and they rode to this lily pad, lily pad patch. Now, my aunt's husband said he's casting and, and looking at this tree. Now, as they drift closer toward it, he said the tree just did not look right. He couldn't put his finger on it. When they're about 10 feet from the shoreline and the tree, a head turned slowly. A massive curved beak uh, stood out to them. Then it drops from the tree and spreads its wings. They say the span was massive, at least 15 to 16 foot. He screams to my aunt, look at the size of this thing swoops over them close enough to get a deep, see the detailed veins on the feathers. They said it was dark gray with purple sheen to it. As it flew off, it didn't flap its wings like a typical bird trying to attain lift. It's very slow and steady, and you could hear the whoosh, whoosh with each flap. Now, to this day, they swear to this account. They said they knew for sure it wasn't a heron or a sand crane. The curved beak was more aligned to some kind of hawk, but it was bigger than any hawk they'd ever seen, including eagles. 
when I mentioned that their story in the scripture reminded me of the Thunderbird bird, my aunt's husband seemed like kind of like something finally clicked, as if he'd never considered that before. I pulled up a picture of some Native American totems of Thunderbirds present and could see the color drain from his face. I swiped to an artist's rendition of what one may look like. He said, you know, I never considered that, but I swear that's what it had to have been. It looked almost like that exactly, like just slightly different color. I'd never seen anything like that before or since. Now, I'm not saying that's what they saw or, you know, or wasn't something explainable or misidentified. However, their sincerity and knowledge of the local wildlife, because they frequently fish in the area, compel me to believe that they saw something that was a bit out of the ordinary. Now, an eyewitness encounters what he describes as a winged cryptid that closely resembled the Jersey Devil while driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike near Somerset. So there, Bernadette and Tommy, this is something very near you. About 12 years ago, I was driving the Pennsylvania Turnpike coming home from a funeral in Ohio. I live in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. It was late, probably 1130 at 12 midnight, and I saw something hanging from an overpass. At first, I thought it was just a box or something that got stuck, but when it opened, but then it opened. What I thought was a box was a pair of wings. Inside these wings was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. It looked like a deer or maybe a large greyhound's body, but the face was so long and wide, almost like a horse got stung by a boatload of bees. But the thing that stood out most and send shivers down my spine even now were the eyes. At first, I couldn't see the eyes, but when my headlights hit it, the eye shine was fire engine red. I saw all this in just about 20 seconds as I approached the overpass. As soon as my brain registered what I was seeing, I floored it. I was in my 1997 VA Thunderbirds, so the pickup left nothing to be desired. I was scared. I hit 100 mile an hour before the car started shaking. I had to slow down a bit. I watched my rear view to see if this thing was chasing me, but either it couldn't keep up or it just didn't bother chasing me. A few weeks later, I saw the Monster Quest episode on the Jersey Devil, and I started having flashbacks when they showed the sculpture of what had been described to the artist. It was damn close. I still refuse to drive the Pennsylvania Turnpike at night, and we travel that stretch every year. I'll stay on an extra day and face traffic just to avoid night driving on that road. Excuse me, folks. Now, this next account, the uh, witness states, I'm writing this based on what I saw going to work one morning in September 2018. I rather like to stay anonymous. I live in a, on the state line of New Mexico and Texas. And I left my home at 4.30 a.m. to head to work in Seminole, Texas to open at 6 a.m. The drive takes about 30 minutes. I always take Route 214 to Route 3306 to Seminole Highway. This morning will always be with me as I turned onto Route 3306 
maybe a mile or so, I saw a large man. So I slowed down because I thought it was odd to see a man on an electric pole so early in the morning. But as I got closer, I saw no truck or any indication that someone was servicing the electrical pole. That's when I saw a large man crouch over with a large black feathered wings extending down its back and a bony spine in between the wings with its head down to its chest. I didn't look back. Now I contacted the witness and they offered a bit more information. The area of the sighting is in, is in, uh, was in Hobbs, New Mexico, a location with a lot of crude oil pumps. The, um, the dark-winged beam had grasped onto the electrical pole, pole near the top. The wings were feathered and quite large. The body was membraned or bare skin. The head was small and round with no observable features. And the witness estimated that the total body length was eight to nine feet. Now, the witness is of, of Navajo heritage, and they stated that this type of winged being was described to her in the past by her, their grandfather. She had described it as being a form taken by a skinwalker, and that was a malevolent being. Now, the witness said that there had been large flying beings seen in the area in the past, but they feel that these other sightings were of large birds or thunderbirds. The witness was very fearful of uh, receiving ridicule from the local populace, so it's important to maintain anonymity. The, um, the location is approximately 50 miles southeast of Roswell, New Mexico. Now, this next account, an Altamont, Missouri farmer describes his encounter with a prehistoric-like winged creature while irrigating his crops at night. The instance caused stress and agitation in the family. Now he writes, it was the summer of June 2013, and the high temperatures were not helping farmers. Even though it was a dry year in the state, a few weeks had been a little hotter than usual. I live in Altamont, Missouri. When some of us would go water the plants at night, we noticed the strange sounds. I got a phone call from my son at 2 in the morning. He was very agitated. I figured something was wrong. For two weeks, the family had been living in a state of stress and insomnia. So every other night, we drive, uh, drive to uh, the land to water their cornfield. There were uh, noises that I had never heard before. See, we didn't know what it was. We, we know that there are animals out there. We know that. But this sound gave me goosebumps. It goes like a tapping sound as if someone was chattering their teeth only much faster and louder, then silence, then shrieking. These aren't coyotes or wolves or anything like that. I saw something that is not from this land. That, I'm sure, and I was there standing, it was standing there before me as it pointed a flashlight at it. It was darn big. Then a sudden movement, fast as heck, and then it was gone. I can only describe it as an eight-foot-tall winged creature with a long muzzle that resembled the face of an alligator. The animal was featherless, and its skin was gray with a wingspan, I get this, of over 80 foot that looked like the wings of a bat. The almond-sized eyes appeared red under the stream of light pointing at them, a known characteristic of certain rodents, possums, and birds. 
The only creature that I can reference it to is a pterodactyl, even though I know that sounds crazy. Have you heard of other similar sightings in the area? Now, the Midwest, including Missouri, ha has a reports of pterosaurs and prehistoric like birds. Uh, and that's been going on for centuries. And uh, several indigenous tribes, uh, especially in the upper Midwest, uh, created representations of these huge creatures in rock faces and caves. Now, this is the uh, last account. It's, uh, it's an article, an old article, uh, referencing a huge flying reptile carrying a horse in its jaws. It was carried widely and published in the Salt Lake City County News. It was also reprinted in several newspapers nationwide, including the Pittsburgh Press and Pittsburgh PA. Uh, in September uh, 3rd, 1903, which is what I'm going to read, it gave an eyewitness account of a gigantic prehistoric monster on Stansbury Island that could have been a pterosaur. Now, the headline for this thing was Prehistoric Monster. Half bird and half reptile carries away live horses. A terrible, nameless, unclassified creature of animal world is exciting the curiosity, wonder, and fear of occasional visitors to Stansbury Island in the southern portion of Great Salt Lake. This monster, or it can be called nothing else, has lately, and it's, and it's said, been seen by several persons. But the best account of its characteristic in movements is given by Morton Gilbert and John Barry, two hunters, who this week returned from an expedition over the island, during which they studied the habitat of the unheard creature for three days. The monster, which appears to be almost equally at home in the air, on the beach, or submerged in the briny waters of Salt Lake, is probably the sole survivor of a prehistoric species. It is doubtless the last representative of a family whose other members, dead ages since, have left the testimony of their existence in the primeval rocks of the mountains. Arranging in concise form the description of this incredible relic of the animal world from the accounts given by those who have observed it in close range, it seems in plain, unscientific language, a combination of a fish, an alligator, and a bat. Now, in size, it is simply tremendous. Gilbert places its length at 50 feet, while Barry, who is an amateur scientist, says that an examination of its track demonstrated that the monster be, must be at least 65 feet from head to tail. The head is like that of an alligator. The eyes fierce glowing, the jaws capable of opening to 10 foot from the top of the upper to the lower, are provided with fearful array of sharp saw-edged teeth. The body, so far as observation goes, is increased with heavy horny scales. As to this, Gilbert and Barry are not positive, as the constant diving of this animal, if such it may be called, into the strong brine of the lake has encrusted it with a thick coat of salt, which saved near the wings completely hide the body. It is due to this unusual phenomenon that the hunters obtained their first sight of this monster. According to their account, they first sighted it between one and a half to two miles. The day was clear and the sun intensely bright, 
Gilbert's own words of the discovery are, we were walking westward from east shore of the island about 9 a.m. when suddenly to the northwest there appeared a thing. I don't know what to call it. It looked to me like a brilliant rainbow folded into a compact mass moving rapidly through the air. In three or four minutes, the monster's position was such that it no longer reflected the sunlight directly towards us. And we then discerned the outline of the, the form. Its wings were bat-like, stretched out over a great expanse. I should say at least 100 feet from tip to tip. The tail was proportionally short and resembled that of a huge fish. We were not close enough at this time to talk about the head, only we saw that the jaws were very long. In shape, the head was like that of a crocodile. Now we watched it disappear into the gathering gloom of night, but were for a long time paralyzed with fear and not knowing when it might return. It was probably an hour later when it did come back. We heard the swish of the mighty wings before it could be seen. But as it drew near by the light of the young moon in the west, we saw that it carried in its great jaws a large horse, which I suppose it had swooped down upon while feeding. The, uh, the horse was badly crushed and mangled. The monster carried its burden into the cave, and we could hear the crunching of its jaws and the cracking of the horse's bones as the beast devoured its victim. After an hour or so, everything was still, and then slipped quietly away in the darkness and returned to our camp on the eastern shore of the island. So that's an interesting tale. I uh, gotta love some of the um, some of the fancy wording they used back in the day. So, uh, if you got any questions, just put them up there and see what we got. Uh, Win Nyes, I want to thank you for your uh, your donation. And Mike Bothwell asked, uh, with his donation, Lon, do you think the Ontario sightings of the Ottawa Angel is only about a three or four hour drive from? Well, look, I, I did a I, I did a um, I did a big write-up about the Ottawa Angel. I don't know if you read it or not. Uh, I talked to one of the original witnesses of that thing. I don't know what that was. Um, you know, in his sketch, and he was an artist, so he made a sketch of it. It was outside um, Sogula. Is that what it is? That's what he said. I know it was outside of Ottawa. But anyway, <clears throat> he said he described it as an angel, a, a, a huge angel. Um, he said the thing was, oh my God, I forget what the dimensions were, maybe 20 to 30 foot, but he saw it from the roof. It was huge. Um, and, you know, there have been a lot of interpretations of that, of that account, but it's not the only time it was seen. It was seen other times as well. And that highway uh, leading to Ottawa has been known for other large winged beings being seen as well in the Niagara area, even going across into, um, into New York, uh, past Buffalo on the thoroughway, there have been sightings as well of large bird-like creatures, even winged humanoids. 
So uh, I don't know exactly what that Ottawa Angel thing was, but, you know, I know when I first got it about 10 years ago, I looked into it. And um, and I do know that the gentleman who I talked to, and I did talk to him, uh, was one of the original witnesses of that beam. So uh, there you go. <clears throat> Uh, let's see what we got here. Apparently, a lot of you people like um, like the monster bird story. I see a lot of people commenting about it. Um. Not getting a whole lot of questions here. By the way, I um I did post a link to it on the chat. Uh, I got a story today. Now this has nothing to do with birds, but it's pretty bizarre. And I'm going to bring it up here, and I want to mention it because it, it, it you know it was sent to me by uh, my researcher, Christine Radu, who lives in Bucharest, Romania. And uh, apparently, when the, uh, on the, one of the Facebook groups titled The Mandela Effect Glitch in the Matrix, this was forwarded to her, Christine from a friend. And uh, I think I'm going to read it since we have some time and I'm not getting many questions. Anyway, she stated, I have come across several accounts of people who say that on the evening of January 27th, 2024, something strange happened in the world as if there was a slip of time globally. Several people say the time dissolved for several hours was a secret experiment. Here's the original post that was up on the next day. Now, the person who put the original post up said, I swear me and my boyfriend lost time last night. I got home around 9.15 p.m. with food. I know the time because I texted my boyfriend at 8.41, asking what he wanted from Wendy's. I was hungry and ate as soon as I came home while reading the Facebook news tab. Next thing I know, my boyfriend's freaking out because it's, 12 10 a.m and he's saying there's just no way that time that time had passed i mean we're talking almost four hours he had been downstairs in the kitchen cleaning a little bit from a mess he made earlier then he was also freaking out because i'm still eating my food i know i eat slowly but not that slow it's so freaking weird i can't explain it there's no way I would have spent that much time reading news headlines and maybe skimming a few articles. Facebook news doesn't even have that much news. We definitely wouldn't take three hours cleaning the kitchen. It, it's tiny, and all he had to do was to run the dishwasher and wipe the counter. Now, it was 12, it was 12, 10 a.m. when it should have been 10 p.m. at the absolute latest. It would have been... I would have been eating really cold food. It took me three hours to finish it. It was just a cheeseburger and medium fries. What's even more crazy is I had a Frosty that wasn't even melted. 
It was just like it, it always is, maybe 20 minutes. Just a little bit melted around uh, the top. Now, would it have been completely melted or sitting out for three hours? I'm stumped. Never had anything like that happen before, and it happened to both of us. We kept talking about it because we were so shocked. We don't have any substances and we don't drink either, so we're completely clear-minded and fully aware. Has anybody else had this happen before? So when she posted this up on that group, people started commenting. And people are saying, like, for instance, happened to me tonight. I relaxed. After preparing dinner, I checked my emails, mostly deleting junk. and looked at my watch. It was 20.30 a.m. And uh, we were going to watch a family movie. Then I took a shower and went out. It was like um, uh, 12.18, which was what, three, almost three hours later. It didn't even wash my hair. My child and fiancé told me, that just time seemed to fly by. And another one posted, I went into the kitchen last night around 20.30. Now, this is the day, this is the day after uh, she posted it. 20, 30, 100 hours to get some popcorn and put on my movie. I remember looking at the clock. I watched two episodes of my show, which were only about 40 minutes each, no commercials. I came back to the kitchen. It was almost 12.30 a.m. I live alone. I actually said out loud, what the hell? I live in Canada near Toronto. The other one states, I'm in the UK and had a very similar thing happen to me last night with the very odd, oddly time, close timing. I am uh, absolutely amazed. For me, it was 20, 4,500 hours, and suddenly 30 minutes later, it was uh, 20 after 12 midnight. Others said the same thing happened to me. They were losing between three to four hours. So anyway, I, I posted this up on the blog. Um, and I, I wanted to see who else had this happen to them. Well, one of my other researchers, uh, Jamie, who lives, in, uh, who lives in Ontario, he contacted me and said, you know, I went back and looked at my, because um, uh, he keeps records because he does a lot of work online. And he said, I lost over an hour. I can't explain it. So I don't know. Um, so, you know, then I had, a, I had another associate who lives in California tell them the same thing. That same night, they lost about three hours. So I don't know. So uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, and I, I'm soliciting information to find out if it happened to other people as well. Okay, let's see here. We do have another question. Magnus, any input about the sightings of pterosaurs in Texas during the 60s and 70s? Well, we, we get a lot of um, we get a lot of pterosaur sightings in Texas and New Mexico. They seem to be the two hottest states. Now, of course, we got them in the Midwest. And uh, you know, when we were doing the, the Chicago sightings, we had some pterosaur sightings come up in that as well. Now, you know, I mentioned uh, J.C. Johnson. He, he, he thought that there was a flyway uh, coming up from Central America into, um, into Mexico that went up into Texas and, and New, New Mexico himself. So uh, he had had reports for decades of these pterosaur-like beings. 
Now, for folks who are familiar with Chad Lewis and his book, The, um, the Van Meter Visitor, this was an account that happened in Van Meter, Iowa, of a bird-like creature that looked like that of a pterodactyl. And it was actually, it actually come into the town twice. And um, there was thoughts that it was living in a cave outside of town. Um, that's probably one of the better described uh, incidents of something like that occurring. But there have been others. So this is, um, this is something that that has happened and still happens, and people still see these things. Uh, BCAB, are there any stories of monstrous birds that involve light phenomena? Mm. You know, other than... Uh, other than uh, storms and, you know, lightning and other than that, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, now, if you meet, you're talking about light phenomena, are you talking about lights being seen, a possible interdimensional or some type of portal? I might have to clarify that, but as far as lights go, the only one I can think, the only thing I can think of is when, uh, when there are storms involved. Uh, let's see, George Penguin. Are there any accounts of Thunderbirds attacking people? I'm trying to think. I can't think of any. Uh, even pterosaurs. I don't know of any pterosaur or Thunderbird sightings where they've actually attacked people. Uh, now, of course, that last account I read was this thing munching on a horse, but... Uh, and I don't know what the deal is with that. But, uh, no, I, I really can't think of any. If I, if I had them, I would have posted one. Uh, Beckton, excuse me. Bernadette, uh, what do you think would cause a mass time slip? Have you ever heard of it happening before like this? Well, there have been time slips. But if this, turn, if this pans out to to the way people are describing. No, I don't know of anything like that. Uh, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't imagine people worldwide going into mass hysteria for something like that. Uh, you know, you hear about mass hysteria uh, events, but the fact that people are now going back and looking and seeing what's going on and what had happened, I don't know. But no, I had never heard anything like that. Uh, Backfin Hunter, any bipedal canine reports in Pocomoke Forest, Southern Maryland, Eastern Virginia? I had one. Uh, I don't know all the details right now, but I, I think I had, re had read it about a uh, two girls who were on Assateague Island uh, and actually camped out on, on the beach and had a uh, upright canine literally come in and just rip everything apart. And I didn't attack them. And they saw this thing. And, uh, but that's the only one that I can remember as far as something that gripped the canine. Uh, Thomas saying, uh, being a leap year might have something to do with the mass time slip. 
Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, of course, we're going to get an extra day in the end of the month. So uh, I don't know. That's an interesting observation. Huh. I don't know, Thomas. I don't know what to think about that. Any other questions? Cookie, how often are are upright candidates? Well, it's more and more, more and more reports come in. I mean, here in Pennsylvania, especially in this area, South Central Pennsylvania, down to Maryland, we've been getting a lot of. Them. Um, I'm involved with five investigations right now. In you know, within area of maybe a hundred mile radius of where I'm at. We got some things going out in Somerset County as well, and I don't know what all that is. Um, so, you know, you know, I talked to Stan about it, Stan Gordon about it this week, and he said things are starting to pick up out his way. Um, not necessarily um, cryptic canines. He did say something about a white Thunderbird being seen out in, um, out off the ridge, out off Chestnut Ridge recently. So I don't know exactly what that's all about. Cookie also asked the canines seen in winter months. Uh, yeah, we do get them in the winter. Yeah, it's not, it's not as frequent, but uh, we do have sightings in the winter. So um, most of the sightings I'm working on now were during the warm months. But, uh, yeah, we do get them occasionally. Uh, let's see. Aaron One, have you ever heard of reports of four-legged griffins? Uh, not really. Um, you know, there have been flying beings that would almost look like griffins. Uh, I think the last griffin report I got was in the UK, in Wales, southern Wales, actually. I'd had to ask John Downs about that because he he had mentioned something about that a while back. Uh, that that's a phenomenon we don't see much of or get described to us. Uh, Eric G, upward canine in Western Maryland near West Virginia border. Yeah, I got uh, I had one. If you know where Cheat Lake is, that's right on the border. Uh, we had some sightings around Cheat Lake area several years ago. Um, we don't get a whole lot of them in West in, in West Virginia, but I do remember that one. That was near the Pennsylvania line, but that was West Virginia. Okay, folks. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. Uh, Thanks to each all of you for watching and chatting. If you're doing it, it's, it's truly appreciated. Sports what makes all this possible. So please like, share, and subscribe if you have a sighting or counter report and like to be considered for the show or for Fams and Monsters. Please send to me at lawnstrictorfamsandmonsters.com. So uh, until we meet again, I want to thank you for showing up. It's, it's, it's nice that we're getting bigger crowds. And I, I do appreciate that. So, uh, you know, until I see you next week, 
have a safe weekend, have a safe week, and y'all take care.